this is Lindsay, host of The Corner Table. I am taking a break from the studio for the month of July. While I'm gone, we're going to be playing some of our favorite episodes from the past year. I will be back in August with some brand new episodes. And until then, have a great summer. Welcome to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison produced by the Capital Times. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Isthmus beer writer and food critic Kyle Nabilsi about his seventh annual trip to the Great Taste of the Midwest, a beer festival held every year in Madison's Olin Park. From a cucumber blonde ale called Hundred Dollar Yoga Pants to imperial stouts named for Vlad the Impaler, Kyle has a range of beers to recommend. I am your host, Lindsay Christians, food writer for the Capital Times. I had a great time recording this with Kyle, and not only because he brought in a bourbon barrel cinnamon stout for us to drink while we recorded. Welcome to the studio, Kyle. Hello. Hi. So you spent this past weekend at the Great Taste of the Midwest with mm-hmm. like 5,997 people. Yeah. Yes. Right. So tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, how long you've been going to the Great Taste and what what is exciting to you about it? Like, why do you why do you go every year? Why do you make a, an effort? Well, it's funny. It's sort of to my enduring shame that before I started going to the Great Taste, I was like, what is what is the point? Like, do I have a, a reason to want to sit out in May and wait for tickets and you know be in line at the you know insane o'clock kind of requ- requisite hour? And then do I want to be in a park for five hours? And like, I didn't get it. But around what twenty. 11, I think maybe 2011 or 2012 was the first year that I went. Um, and yeah, it's been like a no brainer ever since. And was it like a world opened up? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the weather was really good that first year that I went. And, um, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be, uh, invited by a friend who was gifted tickets. So I didn't have to do any of the ticket waiting. So that might've been the best possible introduction of being able to see the fest without having to do the ticket thing. But once I saw the fest first person and experienced it for, you know, X number of hours in the uh, beautiful afternoon at Olin Park, then it was like, okay, yeah, this is probably worth the ticket line. This is an event that's, you know, obviously organized by the Madison Home Brewers and Tasters Guild. How many how many brewers participate every year? Is, I mean, oh, it's uh, it's somewhere in the hundreds. Oh, my God. Maybe not, maybe not multiple hundreds, but I think like 140 or something like that. And you got a thousand beers or something ridiculous like that. Okay. Dumb wine drinker question. Okay. Do beer drinkers spit at a tasting event? No. Why not? Because you're there to drink it. You either drink it or you don't. What you do do, however, or at least the smart attendee does, is dump. Oh. Uh, and especially because you're outdoors. So there are other festivals like Isthmus's Beer and Cheese Fest or a Great American Beer Festival in Denver that are indoors. They're in a big arena. And there'll be buckets everywhere that you can just kind of sploosh into. Um, but the nice thing about Great Taste is that it's outdoors. So my th- rule of thumb, because I don't want to like dump it on someone's foot accidentally or just create a mucky spot, I always aim for the tent stakes because no one's stepping there anyway. And then I figure it's doing the organizers a favor because it makes it easier to pull them out at the end of the day. I don't know. Um, but that's what, I, that's what I shoot for. You, you, you want to dump any beer that isn't really making you happy. You have no obligation to drink. But what you do have an obligation just to do as a general human being is not dump it out in front of the person who made it. Oh, that's a lovely kindness. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a very nice because thing Because everyone do. who's working those tables is a brewer or a brewery employee of some kind. Um, so you don't want to like, okay, I've had my sip of this. 
thanks, and immediately turn around and dump it out at the nearest tent stake. And this is the great taste of the Midwest. Midwest, correct. So yeah. we're not going to be mean. I mean, right. come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they were California brewers here, <laughs> I'd dump it right know. on the table. Just like just look them straight in the eye. On your head. Yeah, no. exactly. Um So I, one of the things that I find really interesting at a tasting event like that, right, where I'm sure a lot of these brewers are bringing out things that they've made specially for it, that they're excited to debut, but like – I'm a note taker. I'm a tracker. How do you keep track of everything that you've been tasting or do you not even try? No, I do try, but it's it's a nominal effort because I know that, A, my phone's going to get sticky if I try and do it all afternoon. My faculties are going to diminish. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm in a minority of people that tries to really astutely keep track during the event as opposed to like get home and take a nap and then try and remember later. And I see the face you're making. That's that's a face that isn't transmitted through the podcast medium. But <laughs> I, I mean, you and I are of a, of a kind on this. Is that we want to pay attention and note take. I, I want I yeah. want to know what I had right. because I mean, you know, we'll go to wine country. I'll do like five seven wineries in a day, and that is not unusual. However, my notes are. Like you will see – and you actually can see my faculties diminishing as I go to the seventh winery of the day. But it's there. So then later when I look and say, why the heck did I buy four bottles of that Riesling? I can look back and say, oh. <laughs> the, the difference is though you're on your own time when you're doing that. Whereas at the festival, Very there true. is definitely the sensation like when you're on the golf course and you see someone teeing off behind you. You're like, oh, crap. Now I got to hurry up. Yeah, OK. You, only, you know you only have so many hours, A, at the festival and B, maybe with these beers ever. So there's kind of a sense of, hey, I just got to get the stuff down real quick or just literally taste it and move on to the next thing and try and remember later. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think that when, you know, when you're doing like a, you know, a bunch of different wineries, they're going to close, right? So you have to be kind of aware that there is a time limit. But you're right. You could always a, go the next day. Yes. And, and there's with a, Great Taste, it's the next year. <laughs> So I, having gone now to Great Taste for several years in a row, um, I'm sure you're kind of very attuned to the changes and the trends that you're seeing. Like, you know, I feel like sours have been booming. We've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you noticed this year, things that were exciting to you, things that you're excited to kind of see in the market, any trends that you noticed? I think there are a lot more brewers that are starting to focus on really old world beers, like old world Germanic and British styles. Like one of my favorite brewers that I really only get to experience during Great Taste uh, weekend is from St. Louis, The Civil Life. And it's all largely British-y sort of old world styles. So, you know, browns, lagers, ales, just really simple, straightforward, adjunct-free kind of beers. No weird flavors, no coffee or cinnamon or raspberries or whatever. Just straightforward beer recipes made really clean, really straightforward uh, to style. And they're great. They're just really good. It's a great brewery. Um, and for people who walk into an event like the Great Taste and sort of get googly-eyed at all the options, that's a great place to start because they're really well-made. They're not, you know, corn lagers um, like the big macro breweries make. Um, they're more like the old world European beers and they're really good. Um, so you're seeing more places that are doing things like that. They're looking away from all of the crazy ingredients, looking away from sours, looking away from barrel aging, and just doing really down the main street kind of simple old world beers like that. And you, you got to do them well because as the, you know, the conventional wisdom is, you've got less of a hiding place for flaws. Wood or fruit or coffee or vanilla really can hide uh, um, a lot of sins in your recipe. Are beers from the civil life available in no, Madison? No, Is there a, like a parallel, something that's similar that people can get around here? Well, I mean, probably Capital. Wisconsin Brewing Company would be another, uh, another one since Kirby's kind of a, you know, he holds up the classics. Was there anything that surprised you this year? There were two beers that, I mean, both of them have, you know, non-beer ingredients, sort of like culinary ingredients 
and they were both on my radar, so I knew I wanted to try them going in, but I was surprised at how good they were sort of at their base. One was from a, uh, actually, they were both Illinois breweries, and I think about it, Right Brain. Right Brain is, also, is Illinois, and Corridor is in the Chicago area. And Right Brain, I've had before. They do kind of wacky adjunct recipes. They've made a beer where they have put whole cherry pies into the brew, like crust and filling and all. In like a bag, you know, so that they don't gunk up the works. But oh, okay, so it's sort of like a bouquet garni, a but bit. instead of right. instead of like herbs, you have an entire pie. It feels Pies, like it plural, like yeah, yeah, gunky and weird. Well, that's why it's in the bag. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah all to right. keep the solids out, and then at some point they filter it a little bit. Um, but they're really good. They've done fun adjunct stuff like this, and they did a um, just a really simple um, cream ale with Madagascar vanilla beans, and it was, and they used a little bit of corn uh, in the grain bill to sort of flesh it out just a little bit, give it a little bit more body. And they called it Cakewalk. And it's supposed to be like a sort of a vanilla cake-esque Was beer. it Was it very aromatic with that vanilla in it? Ish. I mean, it wasn't overdone. That's the thing is it was really subtle. It was not a two-by-four vanilla over the side of your head. If I hadn't had it on my radar and took a sip of it, I might have missed the vanilla, might not. I don't know. But a friend got the pour of it and I was like, oh, yeah, that was on my list. Let me try a sip. Try a sip. And it was just a really solid cream ale with a little bit of vanilla in it. And it's it's that kind of addition that doesn't have to hide a sin. It's it's adding a value. Um, and another one from Corridor was actually featured in uh, the Tone.com um, uh, pre-event write-up on the goofy beer names of the Great Taste of the Midwest. The $100 yoga pants uh, from Corridor was actually really good. Um, made everybody in my group pretty happy. Um, it's a, a cucumber blonde ale. And again, a really simple re- base recipe with just a little bit of cucumber thrown in there. And it was crisp and refreshing and it was a little cloudy, uh, you know, unfiltered. And, you know, obviously the reference is sort of like spa water, the big jug of water with cucumber slices in it. I kind of love that. Yeah. And it was super good. Like there's plenty of cucumber. This is this event is swimming in cucumber beers because it's, you know, it's that time of year where you, you've got cucumbers growing. It's refreshing in a hot environment. So there's always like a lot of cucumber colches and cucumber pilsners and things like that. You mentioned Right Brain. Was there a beer from Right Brain? Yeah, that was – sorry. That was the uh, cakewalk. That okay. Was, so the cakewalk was from Right Brain and the – $100 yoga pants was, was Corridor. Corridor. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder like because of the time of year when this is, do like stouts and porters and some of those like bigger sort of heavier beers, are they at a disadvantage? Mm, do you no. Want the less? No. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Uh, however uh, strident beer people may be about seasonality and, and the creep of – you know, pumpkin beers coming out in July and August. When it comes to the Great Taste of the Midwest or other festivals, there is no seasonality. They want everything. The beer drinker wants to be able to get whatever he or she wants at that festival. So that includes stuff that typically wouldn't be marketed anyway until the colder weather months. Um, but I probably had about 14 or 15 different stouts. All of them wacky, of course. There were very few that didn't have some kind of nutty thing in them. Um, that's just the nature of being at a festival plus my personal adjunct stout proclivities. There's one particular brewer that I had on my on my to-do list, uh, Hailstorm, also out of Illinois, actually. And they had about four or five different variations on their barrel-aged Vlad Russian Imperial Stout. Um, it used to be called Vlad the Impaler, but I think they decided to take the Impaler part out and just call it Vlad. You know, family-friendly beer. <laughs> um, but they had a maple one, and they had a vanilla one. They had a raspberry one. They just had a straight-up barrel-aged one because normally they make it not with the barrel. One of the things that happens with Distill America is when these new spirits make a debut at Distill America, they often will show up then in the Madison market, which is exciting. Are there any examples of that from Great Taste? Yeah. Uh, a lot of the brewers will bring stuff. Uh, shorts 
Brewing out of Michigan is is pretty uh, well known for always bringing some stuff in their truck to drop off to some friendly uh, liquor stores for a retail sale. Um, there is no retail sale at the event. Um, they they only pour draft and nothing leaves the area. Every time you leave, you have to turn your glass upside down. They make sure you don't even go with a full glass out to the parking lot. They pride themselves on having the most legal beer festival uh, possible. It seems like a smart way to get to 31 years. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just so – I mean they have like one employee. You know, or it's, it's certainly less than a handful. It's all volunteers that put it on. And it's, it's really remarkable how polished of an event it is for being a bunch of homebrewers initially anyway. I mean obviously now people that maybe are beer professionals otherwise but do this as you know, an unpaid part of their day-to-day work. So you brought some beer here today. Yeah, what speaking did, of wacky stouts. Yeah, what'd you bring? So this one just hit shelves um, for this year's batch. It's from Central Waters, so Wisconsin Brewer up in Amherst. Um, it's one of their Brewer's Reserve series beers, uh, which are all barrel-aged, bourbon barrel-aged. And this one is Cassian Sunset. So it is um, on the label. It reads, stout aged in used oak bourbon barrels with coffee, vanilla beans, and cinnamon added. Awesome. Yeah. So used oak, just while you're opening it, um, used oak bourbon barrels. Bourbon barrels have the char inside, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but, but if they've been used already, how much of that char comes through? Is it a lot? Uh, not much. I mean, you get a little bit of that sort of toasty element to it. Oh, it's so dark. little toast taster glass. Um, I've got one taster glass from the Great American Beer Festival and one from Three Floyds Brewing Company, Dark Lord Day, because I came, again, not for the radio medium, but I came in costume. I have cargo shorts and a Three Floyds uh, Dark Lord Day t-shirt, which is (laughs) anyone who's ever been to a beer festival has seen me or someone who looks just like me, except with maybe more beard, about 25 times over. This is the, the beer festival outfit. Beer festival costume. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it's sort of close to what I'd typically wear, but right. I try to not wear too much of a beer shirt. All right, cheers. Cheers. Okay. It's really dark. It's just a very dark color. It's not as, it's not as like aromatic as I was expecting based on the description. Yeah. It has, it has a... Uh, it's also cold. And variations. Yeah. And it's been, you know, it's been on a little ice pack on my way over here today, but it is a little warmer than fridge temp, so... Ooh, it's almost chocolatey. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all those dark roasted malts bring a lot of their own flavors. And if you didn't want to add adjuncts, you can play a lot with those um, sort of implied flavors of the base ingredients in the beer. So this batch just came out, um, but the brewery has kind of apologized for making a fairly small batch this year. Oh. They had some kind of production issue. They've been a little cagey about it, but that's okay. Um, so they released some of this on the in the Madison market. You may still be able to find it in shelves, but it's kind of one of the local chase beers. It's one that people grab as soon as it hits the market. And it's Central Waters. Central Waters, Cassian Sunset. Cassian Sunset. C-A-S-S-I-A-N. Yeah, I-A-N. so Cassia, you know, the scientific name for cinnamon. This is pretty great. So what's interesting to me about this is that it really does, like the, that barrel, I mean, it has that wine quality mm-hmm. that I like. Yeah. Um, where and, and there were several... Um, I went to a malt house event and I was tasting a bunch of sours from Oso, which is up in that same area. Sure. Oso, I just think hang a right when you get to – or stay on the highway as opposed to hanging a right when you go to Amherst. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's in Plover, I think. Correct. Um, and I was trying a bunch of their sours including like a rhubarb barella and we tried one that had aronia berries and one that was cranberry. We tried a bunch of different things. And, and there were a couple that were very uh, like Venus, you know, like mm-hmm. tasted – you know, like wine. Right. But this this has some of those qualities too. And I think it has to do with like the balance of acidity to like the body, like the, mm-hmm. those, like how how the acidity is kind of handled in the balance of the right. of the beer. With with stouts where you find that balance and what what can kind of mock 
the the the, the sensation of acidity is the level of carbonation. Because um, you can get some stouts that are either by virtue of being really thick or undercarbonated or a little bit of both don't do a whole lot. They like land on your palate and it's just like motor oil. So this one is not. Um, and and people nationally who talk about beer will both praise and gently raz Central Waters frequently for not having enough body, like not being a, a thick enough. All those unfermented sugars just kind of are not present. And that's the thing that kind of exemplifies Wisconsin beers and upper Midwestern beers is that sense of balance. Same thing with New Glarus. You're not going to find a really heavy uh, beer. Uh, and the same thing, with it's true with Central Water. So the base beer they use for this is different than for some of their other fancy stouts. One of the longest lines of this year's Great Taste was for Central Waters um, when they tapped their, what they alleged to be the last of the Ardea Insignis, which was their super duper fancy uh, barrel-aged stout that they re- released last year. It was, you know, a $40 bottle. It was a lottery, you know, that kind of thing. And it was aged for two years in really old barrels. And they brought it to tap at the event. It wasn't poured out of bottles. It was one of the last, you know, kegs of it. And the base beer for Ardea is different than the base beer for this. So there's a different palate sensation on the two. So one's a little more luxurious. But the nice thing about these Brewers Reserve beers, for as nutty as their adjuncts can be sometimes, is that they're really solid at the heart of them. They're, they're, they're not overly boozy. They're not overly thick. They deliver a lot of flavor on their own and from the barrel. And then the adjuncts come in and they're like, oh, yeah, there's some cinnamon in there. The thing about that you just said about, you know, being overly boozy, being overly thick, you know, kind of landing on your palate like motor oil, that's what I really can't, I I just can't get behind. Like it's not something I can ever really, because I'm so interested in acid and and minerality and those kind of qualities. And I've really moved that way, like in my wine drinking palate as well. And so uh, like the, the, the kind of flavors that I gravitate toward in, you know, my wine and my coffee, it's, it's, it's that brightness and it's the kind of the balance with the acidity where like, I understand that not everybody wants to drink straight lemon juice like I do, but (laughs) um, I, I feel like you know, having that presence, like you can, it can kind of decrease your um, perception of the sugars yeah. as well if you mm-hmm. have more of that acid. So um, that's, I think that's a, that's a great example of something where, you know, you wouldn't necessarily expect it to have that kind of brightness. Right. But it's there and it's great. Mm-hmm. And if, I mean, anytime you see bourbon barrel written sideways on the, on the bottle for Central Waters, that's one you can definitely buy. Right now they have this one and the bourbon barrel Scotch Ale out on shelves. At various points in the year, they'll do a cherry stout. They'll do their regular bourbon barrel-aged stout. They'll do a barley wine. Um, but this is just a really solid series. Everyone outside of Wisconsin um, that doesn't get distribution of Central Waters get, buys these when they come into town. This is one of the beers that, if it had made it through this last week, would have been gone by the end of this weekend. That's one thing that our bottle shops are notorious for is being picked clean by visitors from out of state of all the cool New Glarus stuff or Oso stuff or Central Water stuff that, that doesn't get far outside of Wisconsin. So you had a good day for great taste? Had a the weather couldn't one? have been better. I ran into a lot of friends. I gave away a boatload of Limburger sandwiches. It's <laughs> the whole thing. Um, the whole deal. Yeah, it was It was a really just a perfect day. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much for recapping. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. This has been an archival episode of The Corner Table. Editing help is offered by Eric Lawrenson, and our music was composed by Patrick Christians. Subscribe to The Corner Table wherever you get your podcasts, and find ongoing food and drink news at captimes.com. We'll be back with more episodes in August, and until then, have a great summer. Bye.